each and every one of you today. We appreciate all of our families, all of our mothers, all of our fathers. And today, fathers, we celebrate you. We honor you uh, this morning in this service. And uh, we're just uh, so grateful that you've chosen to worship with us today. I want to read a, a verse of scripture found in Luke chapter 23 uh, in just a moment. Uh, I'll tell you what, if you're, if you're a father, let's, would you stand with us today? We want to recognize you, all of our dads, all of our fathers. Would you stand today? <laughs> Give them a big hand. We love and appreciate you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you for all you do. Thank you. God bless you today. Uh, the band did a great job. We got a brand new bass player up here, and uh, Will Warren. Wow, Will. I was, I was giving Will a hard time last week about his bass playing. I'd never heard him play bass before, and I was teasing. Like, I've played with some great bass players, and so I told him, I said, I'm going to know in just a couple minutes what you've got, you know. And Will, my hand is off to you, and... <laughs> Great job, barefooted and all. And he was, good job, Will, appreciate you. Appreciate you uh, so much. Appreciate all of our worship team, as Ernest, Ernest mentioned in a, wa- a few moments ago, they also did worship at the men's retreat and uh, did a great job down there. Luke chapter 20, chapter three, excuse me, verse number 23, the Bible says this. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. And Jesus was known as the son of Joseph. He was known as the son of Joseph. And Joseph was the son of Heli. I want to talk to you today about fathers. It's more than a title, more than a, father, more than a title. Um, at least part of this story is true, okay? <laughs> Most of the stories I tell you are true, okay? Uh, I'll tell you, there's a, there's a small element of this story that's actually true, uh, but uh, there's a father that took his son to a Texas Rangers baseball game. Does anyone like the Texas Rangers? We're all Cardinal fans and Royals fans probably. But you like the Texas Rangers? Okay, that's good. Took his son to see the Texas Rangers uh, in a baseball game. And I uh, don't know if his son had ever been to one before. He never told me that. But uh, uh, So in the first inning, the shortstop leaped. He made a dynamic catch. He got up, he turned a spectacular double, double play, and his 10-year-old son looked at him and said, Dad, you could have done that. And uh, in the third inning, inning, the pitcher was really on his game, and uh, he struck out the first batter, he struck out the second batter, he struck out the third batter, and the little boy looked at his dad, he said, Dad, you could have done that. And in the sixth inning, the cleanup hitter broke up a 0-0 tied game by hitting a home run over the center field fence deep into the bleachers. And the crowd went wild. And the little boy looked at his dad and he said, Dad, you could have done that. And finally, in the ninth inning, the closer for the Texas Rangers came into the game. The Rangers were winning 2 to nothing. The inning started, and the pitcher gave off a leadoff, gave up a leadoff hit, then a walk, then an infield hit, and all of a sudden the bases are loaded. And so the pitcher looks in for the sign. He throws the fastball right down the center of the plate. The batter connects with the ball, 
and he hits a grand slam home run. The Texas Rangers lost the game 4-2. to two. The fans left the stadium in shock, and the little boy and his dad are driving home, and the little boy says, Dad, if they would have only put you into that game, we would have won. <laughs> you know, there was a time when we thought that our dads were supermen, you know. We thought our dads could literally do anything. Uh, we, we thought that they were invincible. Now, when, when we got a little bit older, we realized that they were not invincible, but they were still heroes to us. And today, great fathers are simply imperfect men who sacrifice it all for their families. And I, I realized that that uh, maybe some had a less, less than ideal uh, childhood, but this is all about honoring fathers today, and it's about honoring uh, fatherhood. And I believe that there are many great fathers. Are they perfect? No, they're imperfect. Are they, are they superheroes? No, they're not superheroes. Are they Superman? No, they're not Superman. But they get up every day, they go to work, and they take care of their family. Jesus' earthly father was no superhero. Jesus' birth was not of man. His birth was of divine origin. In the New Testament, I don't know if you ever noticed this before, okay? But uh, as a pastor, I have a habit of trying to read the New Testament once a month, okay? And um, I've been doing this for three or four years. I read through the whole Bible, and then when I get done, I start reading the New Testament. And I could read, read in about 27 days, okay? And I read it over and over again. And so I get to this part where it's talking about the genealogy of Jesus, you know? Abraham beget, you know, Isaac, and Isaac beget Jacob, and so forth and so on. And so I'm reading the genealogy in the book of Matthew. The genealogy of Jesus is listed. And then also, I go, a little bit later, I read in the book of Luke, and I find also the genealogy of Jesus. Now, Atheists and agnostics are continually looking for errors and discrepancy, discrepancies in the Bible because they say if we can find an error, if we can find a discrepancy in Scripture, it will prove that God's Word is invalid and that it is null and void. Well, the genealogy in Matthew starts with Abraham. And the genealogy in Luke begins with Adam. And both accounts of Jesus' genealogy are identical from Abraham all the way through David. But both accounts differ dramatically after David. The two accounts disagree on who was Joseph's father. Okay? They disagree. That, that would be... You say, what... what what would that be? That would, they both disagree who was Jesus' earthly grandfather, okay? In one of the accounts, in one of the accounts, um, in Matthew's account, Joseph's father was Jacob. While in Luke, it says that Joseph's father was Heli. Now, this seems to be an alarming contradiction, that's found in scriptures, and there would be atheists that would say, this is proof that the Bible is full of errors. This would prove that the Bible is not God's word. So here's what we got to do. We got to dig a little bit deeper into scripture. 
And Joseph's father, as we dig deeper in Scripture and we look at genealogy, we find this, that Joseph's father was, in fact, Jacob. And Mary's father was Heli, okay? And so what I'm pointing out to you is this, that the genealogy in Matthew is the genealogy of his father's family. And the genealogy found in Luke is his mother's family, all right? So you got it? today? And the scripture declares this, Joseph was not Jesus' biological father. His true father was God the Father who resides in heaven. Because you remember, the scripture tells us that the angel appeared to Mary and Joseph and confirmed that Mary would give birth to the Son of God. And it's found in Matthew chapter 1 verse 18. It says this, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. It goes on, verse 19. And Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all, this, all of this occurred to, to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophets. So what I'm pointing out to you is this. Joseph was not Jesus' biological father. However, he raised Jesus as his own son. Joseph loved him. He cared for him. He got up every day and he went to his profession so he could earn money, so he could take care of the needs, the physical needs of his son, Jesus. The scripture says in Luke that Joseph, that Jesus was known as the son of of Joseph. Joseph was just an ordinary man, but he made a choice to be the earthly father of Jesus. This morning, fatherhood's a lot more than a title, okay? How many of you guys know that it's more than a title? It's more than a title. It's loving your children. It's teaching your children. It's sacrificing for your children. Fatherhood is more than a title. It's action. It's involvement. It's taking time. It's, it's being engaged with your children. It's spending time with your children. It's learning to laugh with your children. I, I can remember whenever I used to take, when Brandon was just a little guy, and he absolutely loved to play baseball, you know. I was talking to Joe over here about his career and, and, and his baseball days. And Brandon absolutely loved to play baseball, and, and I would take him, usually before every game, okay? Uh, we would play home run derby before every baseball game, okay? And, we would, and Lauren can remember, too. <laughs> we had this little stump out in front of our house, and they would stand there, and we'd take a wiffle ball and a, and a, and a wiffle ball bat and play home run derby, derby before the baseball game, and I would pitch. And Brandon could... Usually hit it over the house, you know. The tree was right in front of the yard, so he'd hit it over. And then Lauren would, she'd bat too, you know. 
And I can remember, it's, it's what fatherhood's all about. It's taking the time to teach our children. It's, it's, it's teaching them every single day. It's, it's learning to laugh. It's leading them. It's more than a title. I, I recall one time we, uh, we were on vacation. <laughs> I can't remember where we were. I, can't, I think we were in Florida. I think we were down there kind of uh, maybe around Panama City, Pensacola or something. We're down there, and we had, we had these squirt guns, okay, in the hotel room. And we're shooting each other with squirt guns. And Brandon went in the bathroom, and uh, we, we had stopped squirting squirt guns. And Brandon went, went to the bathroom, he came out, and he's shooting the squirt gun, and he shoots the television set. <laughs> it starts smoking. <laughs> it goes off. <laughs> like, oh, my God. Help us, Lord. Help us, Lord. What are we going to do now? We don't have any television. <laughs> so Dan's got to call the manager, explain to him what happened, okay? It, it, fatherhood's more than a title. It's a whole bunch of stuff. You see, fatherhood is more than biology. And in spite of all the political correctness, I'm going to say it today, every child needs and deserves a father, okay? Every father does. Every child does, deserves and needs a father. And you say, well, who in the world are you to talk about something like that? Who are you to say that? Who are you to pass judgment? Listen, I was raised by a single mother. I was raised without my dad. My dad was a, a great fellow. He loved me. He did not live in our home. And I can tell you this, there was, a, there was a void in my life as a young boy by not having my father living in our home with us. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it again. Every child needs and deserves a father. I don't care what the current political correctness says. That says that two women can get together and, and have a surrogate, have a baby for them. Every child needs a father today. Every child deserves a father. And, I, and likewise, likewise, every child needs and deserves a mother, a loving mother. We got to get past all this ridiculous nonsense and realize that, 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 that our children need to be led and loved and guided today. And so I'm not passing judgment. Uh, on something I know nothing about because I know all about it. I live that life. I know all about it. And so I can talk about it, and I'll, and I'll talk about it, and I'll preach about it today because it's good. You see, God was, was Jesus' father, but Joseph chose to fill the earthly role. He chose to be the father of Jesus. He could have abandoned the role. He could have given the role to someone else, but he made the choice to be the earthly father of Jesus. And when Jesus walked around when he was a boy, he was known as the son of Joseph. I, I believe, Ernest, Joe, I believe that Jesus learned a, a, a carpenter's trade from his father. He was taught all of these things. Everyone's got a biological father. And yet many children have no father in their lives. Too many times, just a father, I don't want to offend you today, but we got to this point where father is just a sperm donor, you know? It's just that, well, you know, we just decided to have a baby, and, and what's the big deal? And, and, but, but every child needs and deserves a father today. Every child does today. But in so many cases, the father is absent. 
Joseph wasn't interested in titles, but he took his role. He loved Jesus like his own son. He taught him. I believe that Joseph, by his example, he taught Jesus to love God the Father, his Father in heaven. He took care of his physical needs. He was constant. He was consistent in Joseph's life. It was more than a title, but rather Joseph was all in. We got to make God's word the foundation for our family. Today, there is an ideology, there's a prevalent ideology that guides every single family, all right? There are some people today, and they're guided by an ideology of education. Some people are guided by an ideology of wealth and materialism. Some people are, are, their family is driven by an ideology of, of pleasure. Do you see what I'm saying today? I was also thinking about this. There's some people, there are some families, get this, they are driven by an ideology of poverty. They say, well, we've always been poor. Mom was poor. Dad was poor. Grandma and Grandpa was poor. We'll always be poor. We're guided. Their families are guided by that kind of an ideology today. There are families today that are guided by an ideology of victimization. There's a prevalent ideology that guides every single family today. There's a, there are families today that are guided by an ideology of sexualism and, and sens- sensationalism today. They're guided by these ideologies. And so what we've got to do is, I'm asking you the question, what ideology is guiding your family? God teaches us that our foundation, not just ideology, but that our foundation must be in the word of God. That you and I as fathers and as mothers and as parents, that we lead our children. Because the way that we lead our children and the way that we teach our children is going to have everything in the world to do with how they see the world and with their understanding of the world. How we teach our children that we are molding them. As I told you on on Mother's Day, we've got a molding problem in America today. We've got a molding. We don't want to mold our children. We say, bless God, we're not going to force Christianity on our children. We're going to let them make their own choice. If my parents would have let me make my own choice about education, Katina, I would have never went to school. If they would have said, no, you don't, you can make your own, you decide for you. If you want to go to school, Bobby, if you want to learn to read, that's going to, we're going to wait. We're going to wait till you hit about 12 years old, Bobby. And then if you want to learn to read, we're going to let you, we're going to take you to school. Bobby, if you want to, do you want to learn math, Bobby? When you're about 12, you can make that decision. No, my, my mother said, listen, it's time to go to school. I'm going to go to kindergarten. Back when I was in kindergarten, now some of you can remember this, kindergarten was optional. Can you remember that? Some of you are old enough to remember that. I chose to go. No, mom chose for me to go. Alex, mom chose for me to go. She said, time, time to get up, get out of bed, and go. Receive your education. And so she took me to school. But we've got this molding problem in America today. I heard a guy who said, uh, he he he. I, I thought he put it aptly, and I've told some of you this. Uh, you know, nowadays, we, we, we got a, this molding problem in America. We don't want to mold our kids. Uh, parents are, are afraid to shape their kids. And uh, if your son or daughter came to you 
I heard this on the radio. If your son or daughter came to you and said, uh, I want to become a pirate, uh, we would say, well, that's, that's good. Maybe, maybe one of these days and uh, go out and play and just you know, go out there, have a good time, go back to swing set. You know. But we've almost got to this point in America, all right, with this crazy gender ridiculous stuff that's going on nowadays. We've got to the point nowadays that if our child said, I want to be a pirate, we'd say, okay, let's poke your eye out. Let's give you a patch, okay? Let's cut your leg off, give you a peg. You, we're going to really make you a pirate, okay? And so, you see, our children are not old enough to make proper decisions about things. They need for us to mold them. They need for us to shape them. They need for us, they need for parents to rise up and to lead them and to guide them and to help them to make their way through life today. Make their way all through life. We're molding our children. Joshua chapter 24, verse 15 says this. Joshua, they were there on the brink of the promised land. They were entering the promised land. And uh, Joshua was getting very old. And he was challenging the people, asking them this. He said, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, Joshua chapter 24, verse 15 says, but if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates, or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? Here's what he said, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Parents, we have got to be man enough. Fathers, we got to be man enough to rise up and say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, if my mother, once again, let me remind you, I was raised by a single mother, okay? My father was in the picture. He lived in a different state, all right? But if my mother would have given me a choice whether or not I was going to be in the house of God at 12 years old, I would not have gone. I would have left there. I had a good friend I went to school, went, went to church with. His dad was our deacon, one of our deacons in our church. And he came and he told me, he said, my dad told me that as soon as I turn 14, I don't have to go to church anymore. I said, really? Your dad told you that? Man, I wish I could get on that program. His 14th birthday came. I never saw him in church again. He never came back to church. Today, that fellow is a 60-some-odd-year-old man. Does not attend the house of God. You know why? His mother and father, his dad was a deacon but his dad had a molding problem. There's a molding problem going on there. We're going to let you mold yourself. We've got to be careful. Our, our, our children are very impressionable. We've got to be very careful today Amen. to mold and to shape. And this idea that we're going to give our children all kinds of choices underneath the sun. No, they need guidance from us. They need for us to be an example. They need for us to, to, to rise up and say, listen, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And that's kind of what my mom said. Listen, Bobby, yeah, that's okay for them. If they decide to do that, then no problem. But as for us in this house, we will go to church. Amen. We will go to the house of God. We'll go on Sunday morning, Sunday night. We'll go on Wednesday night. We'll go to every night of a three-week revival. And we'll stay to the very end because I'm the piano player mom was. 
to me, say, your mom was one of those kind of people. <laughs> you know, Greg, your mom was one of those kind of people. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. We, you see, we've got to set a clear example for our children to follow. To follow. We can't also get this. We can't live one way at home and another way at church. We can't praise God on Sunday and curse God the rest of the week. Because as fathers, and I'm preaching to fathers today, we must mark out a clear path for our children to follow. God impressed this verse on me the other day. It's found in James. It says this, A double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. There's some of us that's double-minded in our spirituality. We're double-minded. We got this, we're over here with the world, and then we're trying to do the God thing, and we're un, we, our, our affection our attention is divided, and we're messed up in our thinking, and we're messed up in our walk, but we have got this, we've got to choose who we're going to follow today, because we are setting an example for our children to follow. We are marking out a clear-cut path for our children to follow, and your children are following close behind you. Fathers, the most important people that you are influencing is your children. And so we're setting the guiding principles for our family. We are deciding the foundation which to build upon. There's a study that showed this, and, and I, I believe it's true by what I've seen and by what I recognize and by, by what I can experience. This study says this, when a child is very young, he or she will follow the spiritual model of their mother. Okay? I said, that sounds right. That's, that sounds pretty good. Okay? They'll come to church with mom, and they'll follow her spiritual model. But when ch children leave the home, they get out on their own. You know what they do? They follow the spiritual model of their father. And I've seen that to be true in many cases. I've, I've had several of my buddies their father was not a Christian. They would come to church with mom when they were young, and now they're grown, they're adults, they're my age, they're nowhere to be found in the house of God. Why? They're following the model of their father. Guys, it matters how we live. It matters what we say. Our lifestyle matters. You can tell your kids, don't cuss, don't drink, don't do drugs. I know it's legal. I, I know it's legal to smoke grass, but, but don't smoke grass. But if we're doing all these things, guess what? Our kids are going to be doing all these things because we are setting the standard for our families today. We cannot coast through life. Fatherhood's more than a title. It means love. It means action. Because our relationship will get with God will impact our children more than it will impact anyone else. Everyone wants to make a difference in the world. I want to know my life made a difference. Okay? But the greatest difference I can make will be in the lives of my children and my grandchildren. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. 
Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, when you are getting up. We've got to make God's word the foundation of our life, not just a prevailing ideology. Because prevailing ideologies in and of themselves are really worthless. They're not worth anything. Okay? They're like sinking sand. But the foundation to build upon is the word of God. America was founded upon the word of God. And I know there's a lot of talk about the foundation of America, and it was, uh, it was built on, you know, faulty sand, and it was built on all kinds of things, and it was built on racism, and it was built on this, and it was built on that. It was built upon the Word of God, okay? And if there's a problem, and let me say this about, about slavery, okay? Slavery happened because people took the Word of God and they twisted it. And they distorted it. And they rejected it. That's why it happened. Every problem in America is the result of rejecting God's word. If it's, it's, a, it's a result of rejecting the principles of God's word. It's, it's the result of taking a scripture here, you know, and using it to support an agenda, to support an ide- ideology. But scripture interprets scripture, interprets scripture, and we got to take the entire word of God. So if you're having problems in your family, it's probably a result of you're not taking the fullness of the scripture and the fullness of God's word. I'm getting around. I'm going to close. I'm going to close. The final question is this. What legacy are we leading, leaving to our children? Brandon talked about it a few weeks ago about passing that baton. God wants us to bring out the best in our children. We're passing on to them. Listen, if we're petty, our children are going to be petty. If we're victims, our children are going to be victims. Okay? Uh, Whatever we are, our children will become. If we love other people, our children are going to love other people. If we've got a good sense of humor... And can take a joke, our children will more than likely have a good sense of humor and they'll be able to take a joke. All right? If we're faithful, more than likely our children will be faithful. They'll be diligent. The Bible tells me, train up a child in the way that he or she should go, and when they're when they're old, they'll not depart from it. God promises that in his word. What legacy are we leading, leaving to our children? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. Fathers, do not seek to anger and frustrate your children with unreasonable demands. The reason a lot of people think that God is so mean is because they had a mean father. And their whole perspective of fatherhood is all screwed up because their dad was messed up in his thinking. God the Father leads us in love. So we've got to lead our children in love. We've got to lead our families in love today. This scripture's on the screen a moment ago. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7. The godly walk with integrity, and blessed are their children who follow them. You see, righteous living helps us to respond righteously and helps us to respond well in every single circumstance of life. 
What are we passing to our children? What legacy are we passing? I would encourage you to pass the legacy of Jesus to your children, to pass the word of God to your children, to pass the wisdom of God. My friends, fathers, we're just passing through. We're just passing through. My father left this earth 18 years ago. He made it, he exited this world. He was a great fella. I think about dad. Linda had a nice post about my dad this morning. My dad was always calm. He was always so positive. He was always so affirming. He was backslidden away from God for 20 years. But he came back to the Lord, fully dedicated his life, and went, really went back to the ministry, building churches, going to the Philippines, building some 50 churches in the Philippines. Had a tremendous life. But I think back about Dad, and I think about his legacy, and I, I think about, um, I'd, I'd love to sit down and talk to him sometime. Sometimes we're struggling with, with things with the church, and not with people, because you guys are, we don't have any problem with people in this church. Nick, they're all wonderful. <laughs> I'd love to talk to Dad about some challenges I've had in the ministry, you know. But I think about my dad. My, my dad was, he was always so encouraging. My, let, let me give you a little glimpse into my dad's, the way kind of guy he was. If I would have told, Alanis, if I would have told my dad, Dad, I think I'm going to get some metal and build a rocket ship and fly to the moon. Now, forget the moon. I'm going to fly to Mars. My dad would have looked at me. My dad wouldn't have said, Bobby, that's the stupidest thing I ever heard. Here's exactly what Dad would have said. Linda, you'll probably agree with me. Dad would have said this, Bobby, if anyone could take some metal and build a rocket ship and go to Mars, I know you could do it. <laughs> His words of encouragement left the possibility always open. You know. You see, long at, we're just passing through. Mothers, fathers, we're just passing through. And long after we're gone, you know, and, and a lot of times I sit around and I think, I'm, I'm at a, an impasse with this church. I'm at an impasse and some things that's happening. I'm thinking to myself, what in the world would dad do? What in the world would dad say? You see, long after we're gone, our children are going to remember the wisdom that we pass to them. And you know what that wisdom would be based upon? Not my, not my emotions not my empty ideology. I want it to be based upon the word of God. Because long after I'm gone, you know, Brandon and Lauren and Ethan will remember the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God's word. Long after we're gone, our children will remember our encouraging words. They'll remember the example that we've set. Fatherhood today, I leave you with this, that fatherhood is more than a title. It's more than a title. It's more than biology. But rather, it's loving your children, caring for your children. It's being faithful. It's being there. It's spending time. It's laughing. It's shooting water guns at the television set, and it's smoking and going to the manager and explaining to him what happened. And, you know, it's, it's all these things together. It's all these things together. God bless you. We appreciate all of our fathers. Give all of our fathers a hand this morning.
Amen. We got some giveaways in just a minute, but I'm going to close this thing, close this by by having a prayer for our fathers today. Let's pray. Dear God, we're so thankful. Heavenly Father, we're so thankful that you are our example of fatherhood. That you loved us when we were unlovable. That God, you see us at our best and you see us at our worst and you love us, you care for us. And I pray, dear God, that we as fathers will follow your example. God, we know we're not perfect and we make mistakes and we've blown it in the past and we've done things that we're so ashamed of, but God, help us to rise up to be that husband, to be that father that we need to be. There are some of us and we don't get to be with our children because of one reason or another. There's divorce, separation, something happened and we're not able to be with our kids but I pray, God, that we'll go and build bridges and make reconciliation with our kids and bless us, God, and help us. And remember, God, that every moment is a teaching moment and every moment is important in the things that we do and the example that we set. And God, let us not build upon a false ideology of our family history, God, but let us build upon your word a sure and firm foundation. Let us teach your word to our children. Let us teach its principles to our children. Let's talk about it. God, that we be men that lead our families in the ways of Christ, in the ways of, of you, dear Lord. And bless us and help us. Help us to be the husbands and fathers that we need to be. Help us, Lord, to be the friends that we need to be, to be the church members that we need to be, to be the leaders that we need to be and use us. Bless these fathers that's here today. Bless fathers that's ready to quit. Fathers that's discouraged. Bless them. Fathers, God, that don't know you today, bless them and help them and may they find Christ as their personal Savior. And God, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you.